What up, y'all? This is Shakisha, a.k.a. Black Diamond in the Rough, a.k.a. Schnizzle for Rizzle, a.k.a. The Big Girl, a.k.a. Your Girl. Let's do this. Shakisha and the White Boy. Welcome, 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 Shakisha and the White Boy. I am your host, Ryan Dinger, out here putting the white in White Boy. <laughs> and as always, I can't believe I wrote that. And as always, I am joined by my co-host. She is a script writing, film producing, web series directing, all around badass, and she actually just produced a music video. She is the smart and talented Shakisha Williams. Flam, 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 flam. What do you do, son? What do you do? <laughs> How are you today? How's it going, Shakisha? It's going, man. It's we don't going. have a, uh, a budget for, like, party horns, so I'm just going to do that periodically. I'm with you. Flam, 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 flam. I never knew how to, like, write that word down. Frum, 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 frum. There it is. Now you know. I that's am. What I'm, that's what I'm bringing to the table. Accurate portrayal as we do this. of the air horn. <laughs> Bring it back. How are you? How's I'm your weekend good. going? We're I'm here good. doing a weekend sesh. It's a little different. Yeah, it actually feels good. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel a bit more rested. Yeah. Anything funny happened this week? Any uh, good stories? <laughs> are we talking about personal? Yeah, tell, tell, me, uh, what you got. tell me what you nothing got. Nothing funny this weekend other than, um, you know, ran out of laundry detergent and started rubbing jeans with uh, the fabric wipes. Oh, man. You know? Oh. Until until we ran to the store. That those are that's a dark funny. times. <laughs> that's a funny story. Were these your own clothes or? Uh... Um, it was a riff, like a little bit of this, little bit of that. Yeah. Little little mashup. Yeah. But we went. We that's we the made big it news better. For the week. Yeah, man. Nothing. Laundry. Nothing. I did get accepted to a film festival for two oh, of yeah. my projects. Oh yeah! Congratulations. Let's so talk that's about dope. That. Which yeah, film festival? it's called the Widescreen Festival. It's happening in Las Vegas in September. I'm super excited about that. You know, shout yeah. outs to the cast. And crew oh. and reflections film series is really awesome. Yeah, so, that's awesome. CGR yeah. continuing to blow up, guys. Come if you on. haven't watched it yet, you should. It's really good. It's on a uh, working. It's on. Uh, it's on Vimeo. Vimeo is where I watch. Um, yeah. And yes, it's called Curvy Girls Rock Digital Series. So nice. Yeah. Shout nice. out! Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. You're making Thank moves. Trying, baby. Trying. So we're back. This is. Uh, I feel like. Um, you know, they do, they, you and I have both talked about, it. we don't really like listen to podcasts a lot. Yeah. So, uh, this is kind of new for us. So I've been listening to podcasts more to sort of just get a sense of like what other people are doing, like as we go through this process. And I feel like right now, Shakisha and the white boy is in the learn, listen to two people, learn how to make a podcast stage. We are you know? So now what we're doing right now is the, is the small talk portion in the beginning of every episode where, uh, you know, you get to, you get to know the hosts a little bit. Yeah. Right. So film festival for you. The, uh, the big news for me this week is, uh, I got really into Billie Eilish who is, uh, really? yeah, I was really, really, oh, I wouldn't say really surprised, but you know, people have been talking about her to me for a while. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge music fan. I'm a musician myself. Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. Decided to give old Billy a listen. And, uh, and what I'm, is your takeaway? I'm kind of feeling it. I'm kind of feeling it. And I was thinking, like, it's funny because I've, you know, I feel old sometimes listening mm-hmm. to her. Uh, there's some stuff that I'm like, oh, that's a little strange. But uh, in general, I really liked it. But I was thinking, you know, um, 
with like the Sonic movie that's coming out next year, but like all these reboots that have been happening, uh, there's always this like childhood ruined mentality on the internet. Like people are really upset. And I was thinking like my experience with Billie Eilish, who is very much like Gen Z, she's only 17, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's super, super young. Oh, my God. But uh, my experience with her has been like, I'm actually, I'm mostly out of the like mainstream zeitgeist at this Mm -hmm. point, right? Mm -hmm. But actually for a brief period this week, I took a step back in. And it's almost like instead of childhood ruined, I'm like, childhood extended rediscovered like, yeah or rediscovered so it's fun yeah it's always cool to, to find new music and what's your what's your like recommendation which song did you like man so like uh bad guy is like the big single that everyone has listened to and i like okay. the music video a lot for that song the song itself is okay uh mm. My favorite is, uh, I think I like My Strange Addiction a lot, is a good mm. song, and uh, I Wish You Were Gay is okay. also a good one. So, Spotify. On Spotify, yeah, her yeah. new album's out right now, so I don't know why we're giving Billie Eilish Hey, press, you know what, whatever, I man. love, I love when artists get their due. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout out Tank and the Bangas, because they're like my, uh, yes. they're yes. my faves right they're now. They're so good, yeah. And of course Lizzo, so you know, shout outs to folks who've been grinding for a minute and yeah, now man. getting their just due. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we made a promise when we started doing this that we we're going to keep episodes nice and short and tight. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, minus the short. Get right into the next thing. <laughs> uh, so as always, we start with a little segment we like to call WTF. So today's WTF um, is regarding a gentleman by the name of Aiden Cook. Um, I found this on Twitter. Lois Beckett, um, at Lois Beckett with two T's, said, I asked Aiden Cook, and I'll I'll give you everything surrounding Mm -hmm. it in a minute, but I asked Aiden Cook, an animal rights activist who jumped onto the stage to interrupt Kamala Harris, um, if he had considered the optics of literally taking the microphone from women of color. I did, he said. I tried to show my profound respect for each of the people on stage. And if you don't know, this was yesterday. Kamala Harris and two, I think it might have been three other women, including a moderator, were talking about wage disparities and gender disparities for uh, women and women of color. And in the middle of, of their um, discussion... This gentleman, Aiden Cook, man bun and all, very hipster in his appearance, um, yeah. <laughs> jumped on stage, snatched the mic from Kamala Harris, and began a, a rant. Um, um, for just to play devil's advocate, he wasn't necessarily, according to Mr. Cook, he wasn't against Ms. Harris in any way. He just felt that it was a great way to promote or to talk about or to ask questions about things surrounding animal rights. The issue is that a white man snatching a microphone from a black woman, as a matter of fact, a stage filled with women, Mm -hmm. is very problematic to so many of us. And the fact that he said he tried to show his profound respect for each of the people, it's like he's a little bit disconnected from the optics. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he says he considered them, but certainly that was my first thought, (laughs) and she's just rolling her eyes right now. I I am so rolling my eyes. Uh, That was my first thought, too, is uh, I saw this this headline, and we actually had both seen this story before we started today, and um, 
yeah, uh, my first thought was, what's this dude look like? And, uh, yeah, yeah, he was, he was pretty much exact. He's an animal rights activist, which is, you know, a, a definitely a notable, a worthy, worthy cause for sure. Respectable. But, uh, I mean, he, he's, he's as white as me. Uh, maybe even whiter. A little which bit. It's kind of hard to do, actually. Uh, very, very long beard, man bun. Uh, which the man bun I thought went out a while ago. Not that we need to get hung up. At on Aiden is bit. keeping the bun alive. Yeah, the the optics are not great, man. It's like you know, I I think that there's something to be said about wanting to have these conversations with representatives. Yes. And. Far be it for me to tell someone that they shouldn't reach out to their representative for issues that are important to them. Yes. But I think that there are instances where, or there are appropriate ways in which you should do that, and going on stage and literally interrupting and taking the mic from a black woman, and I don't know if you know this or not, Shakisha, there's actually not uh, a huge... um, amount of black women in, in politics. I've seen through. I've seen something like that, yes. So yeah. you know, it's it's a minority voice. Absolutely. Uh, in, in an area where there's uh, you know there's they're not very prominent, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you, you gotta you gotta think that's not a great look. Well what I'll say Aaron. is that I didn't see him at a Trump rally doing this. Cause let's just be honest, he'd have got knocked the fuck out had that happened. If he had taken the mic from if he, Trump? He wouldn't have even gotten that far on stage. Well, he is president. That's number one. Sure. But, um, and according to people who were at the rally, there was security. Um, however, it ended up Kamala's husband and a couple of other men had to take his ass out. Um, so, yeah. I did yeah. see that, Kamala's husband. That's the other thing is, like, what is the security at this event? Like, he got on stage and was able to come and physically take the mic from her. What if he had worse intentions? Like, yeah. how are you letting a public event like this, uh, and it was a move-on event, and move-on, yeah. uh, full disclosure, is a, is a movement that I'm a part of, uh, that I have donated to. So, Woo! full disclosure, uh, but move-on, you got to do better <laughs> with security at your events, guys. Like, you can't, how are you letting someone get up on stage? Shout-outs to the ladies who, after he was removed, gathered themselves together and kept the conversation going. I'm sure they were a little bit unnerved, but overall, they handled themselves with dignity, class, and no bitterness whatsoever. So what was this dude's name? Aaron what? Aiden Cook. Aiden, Aiden. I called him Aaron before. Oops. <laughs> Aiden Cook. Aiden Cook. Uh, what, what the, the fuck, fuck man? man? What the fuck? That wasn't planned, y'all. That's just our opinion. All right, Shakisha, so uh, that's another rousing edition of What the Fuck. But that brings us now to our main topic for today. And today we're talking about cultural appropriation. And uh, it's, you know, it's going to be an interesting conversation because I think that there are a lot of misunderstandings, perhaps, or uh, there's not a lot of clarity about what is and isn't cultural appropriation, what's cultural appreciation versus cultural appropriation among uh, white people, to be honest. I mean, we haven't had to think about these conversations for most of our history, and it's important that we have them now. Mm -hmm. Um, But what got us started on this topic is uh, we started talking about Bruno Mars, actually. Um, And last year, there was a whole conversation about whether Bruno Bruno Mars was a cultural appropriator or not. And uh, 
there was actually a, a writer, activist, and YouTuber named uh, Sarin Sensei, and she went viral for this rant she went on about how Bruno Mars is a cultural appropriator. That's her mm-hmm. point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and so her quote here is, he is not black at all, and he plays up his racial ambiguity to be able to cross genres and go into different places. Bruno Mars has an album of the year Grammy. Prince never won an album of the year Grammy. So how are you going to say that people who are originators in the funk genre, originators in R&B, New Jack Swing, Bobby Brown and New Edition don't have no album of the year Grammy? Bruno Mars got that Grammy because white people love him because he's not black, period. The issue is we want our black culture from non-black bodies, and Bruno Mars is like, I'll give it to you. So that's a pretty powerful quote, I think an interesting quote. Um... I can't believe Prince ever won an album of the year. I am very. I looked it by up, that. and it's true. He never. He's won Grammys, but never album of the year. Wow. That that was Not very. Not even su- Purple Rain. No, he did win three Grammys for Purple Rain. Uh, I, I I don't know which ones they were, but not album of the year. Wow. That's pretty pretty interesting. I feel like, but you know, we talked about Bruno Mars and had this conversation, and and I think we mm-hmm. kind of both agreed. We don't really think that Bruno Mars is a cultural appropriator. Yeah. Um. You know, she says this thing, and, and I mean, we need to preface this with uh, my point of view on this. I'm a white person, mm-hmm. so, like, uh, this conversation, um, my point of view in this conversation is not as weighted as, you know, someone who is on the negative end of cultural appropriation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So that that's yeah. clearly something that needs to be said. Well, you know, to be fair, I do wear a blonde wig from time to time, so. You know, I actually... <laughs> I've heard that. Uh, that's so to be fair, maybe, but there are blondes in Africa too. That's so. what I was gonna say. I've yeah. heard that that's yeah. the actually not a white thing. Oh well, okay, um, so I'm not inappropriate. No, <laughs> no, but I have heard Stamp people say that. I've seen people say that online as a, uh, as some you know yeah. some sort of like whataboutism. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, that was know. a joke, y'all. By the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Be clear that that was a joke. Uh, I guess my thing is, like, I do agree with her point that I think in a lot, in general, um, black, or I'm sorry, white people want their, want to experience black culture, well, historically have wanted to experience black culture from non-black bodies, Mm -hmm. uh, or from white people, I think is more, is more accurate. And I don't really think that Bruno Mars passes as white. No. Uh. Well, okay, so here's my take. Um, I grew up in New York. Mm Mm-hmm. Um specifically Harlem, Bronx adjacent. Um, And for me, I've lived around so many races who, for all intents and purposes, you can say, acted black. Um, So years ago when, what's his name? Uh, Why is Bruno Mars stuck in my head? What's the little guy? Murder. Oh, Ja Rule. <laughs> when Ja Rule and Jennifer Lopez yeah. um, came out with um, I'm Real, mm-hmm. there was like a huge thing because Jen said nigga. Okay. Um, but for me, growing up in Harlem in the Bronx, yeah. I understood that Puerto Ricans yeah, yeah. said that right. all the time. Um, and a lot of us, you know, it was it was really integrated. Um, so I understand the idea of why people would be upset who did not get or understood that kind of microcosm yeah. of New York and the Bronx and how we all interrelated in that way. Right. 
Um, but I also know, you know, you always know a white Mike, you know, it's a white dude who grew up around black people. It's always white Mike. Um, don't know why he's always white Mike, but it's always a dude named Mike and we go, oh, white Mike. Um, and white Mike knew better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. White Mike never said that though. Right, white right. Mike took on, might have right. taken on, you know, he might date some black girls. He might sure. have loved right. rap music. He might even DJ, but he never said the N word because yeah. he know he'd get his ass beat. Right. Um, so for that reason, I understand why people say, well, you know better. Like, you, you know that we can't take that on the road that way. What I will say about Bruno Mars is that he has so many, like, he's Jewish and Filipino. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who are Filipino are often of mixed, like, you have very light-skinned, fair yeah. Filipinos who put you in the mind of Chinese people. And you have mm-hmm. black Filipinos like... Um, is it Apple D app from the the um, Black Eyed Peas? Well, so actually, uh, Bruno Mars is is not Filipino. Uh, I actually looked this up, and he is Puerto Rican. He's Puerto Rican, but his and mom his is mom like mom Philippine. Was, uh, Philippine is something. Ashkenazi, Ashkenazi Jewish descent. Uh, so oh, that's his mom. Originates okay. from Ukraine and Hungary. So gotcha. he actually is Puerto Rican, half, half white, I guess. But yeah. I don't. I don't. You know, like we were saying, I don't really think he passes his weight. I, I had assumed that he was Latino or Latinx, rather. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did, too. That's what I thought. So, but I guess the other thing, and we don't, we, you know, we talked about Bruno, and I think yeah. the other thing, that, the point that I look at for him, the nuance of it is that he is using black musicians in his band. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make any bones about who his influences are. Yeah. And I think that, for me, as a musician myself, uh we kind of look at it like, you know, if you can play, you can play. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what your background is. Of course, it's easy for me as a white person to say that again. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm thinking in an ideal world because I don't have to deal with the conditions mm-hmm. around appropriation and all of that. Right? I don't, but, I think, for, okay, so if we're talking about music, it hasn't been problematic that white musicians, um, appreciate and or play music that was a tra- had traditional African or um, Latin roots. The problem has been that that kind of appropriation was often a financial appropriation. Mm-hmm. You know, straight up stealing a record, putting it on the charts and sell- yeah. reselling it totally. and repackaging it. Right. So that has always been the, the big issue. It's mm-hmm. never been that, you know, because like you say, if you're a musician, if you don't, you don't. Right. Um, and if we're to be completely honest, black music or music from African culture is kind of the basis of American music. Oh, yeah. No doubt. I mean, uh, country. Like, yeah. Which is, uh, in, in the 21st century, country is as Oh, don't go too fast. Gets. Slow down, country. Brian. Take your time. I want to get there. <laughs> but you it's got, the truth. We're going to get into little Nas X real quick. You're right. But, uh, <laughs> I know we don't even... I mean, we can definitely talk That's about that. That's definitely an appropriation but, talk because people are in their yeah, yeah. feelings. Oh, yeah. Uh, in their feelings. But, you know, country is based on blues music. And, and country in yes. 21st century, Lil Nas X aside is very much a white art form that it's definitely had roots in yeah. black music but it's yeah. become a white genre of music i would say right um so to, to your point like the basis of basically all american music is is black yeah. you know is from that culture um you know yeah. when slavery was it started in the fields there with exactly. blues and everything um tell him my brother it's tell the him. truth you yeah. know it's the truth and and uh certainly i think as a white person i have a um 
a responsibility to recognize that mm -hmm. and to talk about, you know, even though there were white musicians who I loved growing up, they were still pulling from black musicians. So mm -hmm. that influence and, and uh, noting that and always being aware of it. But I don't like the idea, and I'm not saying that uh, Sensei or is saying this necessarily, mm -hmm. but I don't, the idea of like you need to fit into these categories of like you're only playing music from the culture mm -hmm. that you were raised in is sort of weird to me. And, and, and Sensei actually addressed this herself uh, in a later interview where she's talking about that quote that went viral, that clip that she had. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, you know, she said, I said this in a panel in the full clip. A lot of the time we think about cultural appropriation, especially here in the United States, in terms of this black-white dichotomy. When you start bringing in non-black persons, this is not part of the quote, but like Bruno Mars, mm -hmm. of you know, non-black persons of color, it gets a little bit more murky and muddy about what's okay and what not's okay, what is not okay. Gotcha. And I guess that's kind of where we are, is like, what is the line between... And we can talk about more than just music. It yeah. can be in film... Uh, it can be an art, it can be in anything. So interestingly enough, I come across um, a Refinery29 uh, video, and it was these Japanese women who um, are now like into chola culture. Um, if anyone, for those who don't know, um, cholas are um, folks of Mexican or Latin descent who primarily live in... Uh, the West Coast, um, and when I was growing up, cholas wore like the heavy eye makeup with the um, plaid shirts, and you know the low rider culture was surrounding all of that. And they actually are pretty freaking dope. I, I understand <laughs> why they would want to take that on. And women in the '90s like Brandy and um, Janet Jackson, and a lot of other, even um, Gwen Stefani. Mm -hmm. um, put that stuff in their videos and it was sort of a celebration to one, the West coast and two to how like fucking fly and dope the, that look is. But yeah. to the persons, to, to some people it is an appropriation because they don't understand all that that culture is about. So it's not just about the clothes. It's not just about the mm -hmm. low riders. Um, for the women, you know, who are now tanning to make themselves darker or dyeing their hair, you know, is it appropriation? Um, and let me just read what, what this one writer, her name, or his name is Walter Thompson Hernandez. And... Um, Let's see, it says, I grew up in South, uh, Southeast Los Angeles, the son of an African-American father and Mexican mother, and the concept of identity is a theme that has been central to my life and a thread that weaves through many of my stories. I heard a rumor that lowrider culture, a community with an affinity for cars, outfits with intricate design, multicolored lights, and heavily tinted windows that can be traced in Southern uh, California to as far back as the 1940s had traveled to Japan. Apparently, a Japanese journalist came to Los Angeles in the early 90s to cover a lowrider event, returned to Japan with photos and stories to share. And he goes on to say, what I found when I got there is that while most instances of cultural appropriation completely disregard the or original communities, the people whom I met did the exact opposite. Mm. They are in constant communication with Los Angeles lowrider communities. To me, it is more of a form of cultural exchange. 
although many people I met in the scene were born and raised in Japan, they pride themselves on appreciating lowrider culture while also creating something new and adding their own touches through their own cultural experiences, which is the best of, he called it cultural exchange. Um, some people call it cultural appreciation, but the reason he called it cultural exchange is because they're living it and also um, stay in contact with the originators. Okay. And that's the best of, so that for me is why I feel like Bruno Mars isn't necessarily cultural appropriating. Right. If you're talking about decade appropriation, he appropriated the shit out of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like we the, won like, our 90s and, back. And the 70s before it, and right? Right, well, like more the like most... the 50s and like yeah, the 50s yeah, yeah. with mean, the doo-wop looks that he was doing. But I, I yeah. was thinking about him. But yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, okay. he's appropriated yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of eras. Like, is that, <laughs> he has, though. He's been yeah. like... Because he sort of came out with just like... What sounded like a when did that song came out? I'll catch a grenade for you. That had to be like oh my gosh, yes. Like that was his first hit, and yeah. that was like just very much of that moment, exactly. You know, but then he he did the duop stuff, and yeah, now he he, you're, he is doing the super nineties. Like he's he's <laughs> he loves doing he, he loves his decades so hard. <laughs> Like, if you listen to that song, it's poison. Uh, the song he did with Cardi B, finesse, <laughs> absolutely. Um. But I, I guess, like, I, so, you know, it's putting you on the spot a little bit, but, like, what are some good examples of people who are, like, or, like, performers or artists who have gone across culture, cultural boundaries and have done it well? Like, mm-hmm. are, are there people out there who you feel like are actually, I could think of people I know who aren't doing it yeah. well, but, like, who are some people who are actually... So at the end of the day, so if if I'm just, I'm digging into crates now, but for me, there have been artists who brought light to a culture um, without giving the culture its due, but also supporting of it, supporting that culture. And I'll, I'll for instance, the ball culture of the, of the eighties and nineties, uh, Madonna, when she brought Vogue yeah. to the stage, to the, to the mainstream, Voguing was done by these. If, if if you haven't watched it, please watch Paris is Burning. Mm-hmm. It basically covers ball culture and how black and brown uh, queer folk had basically been turning shit out since the yeah. 40s. You know, it's. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, there. yeah. I, it's just funny. We, I was just listening to another podcast, actually, mm-hmm. uh, Reply All, which is a podcast just about um, like internet culture in general. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the word yas and where that comes from. And it actually, it dates back to Paris is burning. And, yes. and now it's a, a phrase that is super mainstream and used everywhere, but yeah. it actually was from the drag scene that they talk about in that Absolutely. documentary. And, and a lot of particularly black and brown queer people have been appropriated in aces and spades. And these people, you know, they were poor and broke and disenfranchised Mm -hmm. and being thrown out by their parents and making their own families. And a lot of them at that time were dying of AIDS. And, you know, so now it's more mainstream. Even the camp that happened, the camp theme that happened at um, the Met Met Gala recently is sort of a lot of people paid homage to that to that time. So when Madonna came out with Vogue, she, um, some of the dancers who were a part of the scene, the ballroom scene, actually went on tour with her. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um, one of the legends, I think his name, please forgive me, y'all, uh, Louis Extravaganza. Uh-huh. He was like the, he was like the man on the ball scene. Okay. Um, 
and basically the father of the House of Extravaganza. Um, I don't know why I had to say it like that. It just felt right. I'm looking up Louis Extravaganza. Yes, right and now. you know Billy Porter is now. Um, Shout outs to Ryan Murphy who brought Pose. Some people were looking for an issue when Pose was about to uh, come out. But Janet Mock uh, is not only a writer, but also an executive producer. And I think between her and Ryan Murphy, um, that is him. Yes, that that is, yes, he is. The one in That's, the front. Yeah. Yes, honey. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, baby. Um, so between Janet Mock, who is a transgender um, African-American woman, and Ryan Murphy, who's a queer white man and bad to the motherfucking bone, they created Pose. And like I said, people were like, well, this is nothing but Paris is burning. But once we saw the actual show, even though it's really glamorized, sure. Um, it really paid homage. It wasn't a ripoff. You yeah. didn't feel like you were. So I think they did it right. Okay. And like I said, even though Madonna basically, you know, she paid her bills off the ballroom sure. scene, yeah. she showed, um, she paid homage to it in yeah. that she brought some of the, the kids with her to mm-hmm. travel. So I think those are good uses. But at the same time, there are people who are just queer folks or people who are black and brown faces and bodies who are doing this work and don't get seen. Yeah. Um, and because you add like a Ryan Murphy to it, it becomes explosive. Mm-hmm. Or you add Madonna's name to it, it becomes explosive. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's it, a bigger topic. So like in that sense, Madonna was using her privilege as like a white pop performer who was a superstar yeah. to give an opportunity to people who are in this underground scene. I wouldn't say give an opportunity, but what? she knew that they it's just like just for instance, uh with inappropriation, there's sometime appropriation within appropriation. Um so Beyonce had dancers. Um, she was trying to um, recreate a dance by these two gentlemen from Africa. Okay. No one could teach it to her. So they had to literally go and find these guys, bring them to the States, and have them teach it to her, which is something we, I mean, artists now have accessibility to things that they wouldn't have had years ago. Somebody would have had to go scout. Um, and because of the internet, it's just ready for you. Yeah. But no one could teach her those dance moves from um, uh Run the world? Is it girls or who run the world? I forget, I don't know the name of the song. Uh, it's uh, form- get in formation, right? Uh, uh, no, I'm it's sorry. Who run the world, girls. I think it's girls. I'll Isn't say it? I'll say who run the world. So because everyone will know what I'm talking about. But for that <laughs> video, they had to fly those guys in, teach, and they had to teach her. There were language barriers. That's yeah, there were language barriers yeah. and everything. So imagine you're just a guy you know, from Africa and you just party and hanging out, doing your thing and you put your video up. They didn't even when they were introduced to Beyonce, they didn't even know who she was. Wow. They were like, she was like, Hi, my name is Beyonce. They were like, Oh, nice to meet That's you. That's like living in another reality. That's living in a whole other reality, wow. but they were bad. Like they are yeah. amazing dancers. That's awesome. Amazing dancers. So yeah, so there's appropriation within that. Sure. Um and but, then, but I mean, I guess is that appropriation though? Like, if you're if you're actually going to the originators of the dance, they weren't and, going to at first though. They, oh, they no were, one was able to teach her the steps outside. Oh, of that. I see what you're saying. So they so were they were trying for to learn people. it. Yeah, they I were. They, okay. they you know her you. her choreographers, her her mainstay choreographers, like we we not going. So to you know nobody's perfect, even yeah. even Queen Bay, but. Uh, Please don't say that on this show. We can shut down. <laughs> yeah, the, the beehive. <laughs> Hell, the yeah. beehive will come in and take our equipment as we speak. But, but uh, you know, she, she did end up doing what was right. Uh, but Absolutely. I guess for me, the takeaway there is 
it sh- she should just go on to them in the first place. Yeah. Right? Rather than looking for someone else to try and... I'm actually glad it worked out that way. In yeah. that, you know, you can just learn things on the internet, but for those kids, you've changed their lives in so many ways. Yeah. yeah. So those, to me, are really great examples of appropriation. And, and Lil Nas X, shout out to him. Yeah, what we can talk about that a little bit. You Come know, that's a moment right now. And, like, <laughs> like it's funny because... Uh, Lil Nas X, you know, if you don't know, he's, he does Old Town Road, and I don't know how well, how you're listening to a podcast without knowing what that song is, because it's all over the internet. No My niece and nephews freaking love that song, and they're all under 12, and they dig it. You know they're why, Ryan? Because can't nobody tell me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's definitely good. I wouldn't say that I'm like throwing it on all the time, but I'm also not like... It's not it, let it be. Yeah, if it comes on, I'm like... It's not thriller. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but what's funny is, uh, you know, there are white people now who are, I feel like, are getting upset because they're like, dude, this is, a, this is a black man doing a country song. Mm-hmm. But... Country, as we talked about before, it's, it's, you know, you're almost going full circle there because yeah. country is based on blues, which is started with black people. Yeah, and black roots. And uh, another thing that I actually only learned recently, um, there were black cowboys and like that, that was like a thing too. You never see that in pop culture, right? Absolutely. You never see a black cowboy, but it no. was absolutely a thing that existed. It was real. And like, so. They still exist. Yeah. Oh, well, it still exists. Yeah. yeah I, it's weird to me. For me yeah, to yeah, think, yeah. I'm an East Coast guy, you know. I'm, right, right, right. No, like the only reason I knew is because growing up, they used to have a rodeo, a black rodeo that oh, really? came to Harlem. Wow. They may still do it. I don't know. But that's yeah, pretty cool. That's how I knew about that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it, it's like. But it's the ta- the tales that we've been told, it's it's more of the same. Mm-hmm. You know that the the idea of you know people of color, whether they black or brown, are cowboys is not a part of because cowboys were the good guys and they were the the badasses. Yeah, yeah. the people of color were the Native Americans in those. Right, (laughs) always the bad, always the villain. Yeah. So, you know. The savages. And if if you're counting Tonto, he was the sidekick, so. Right, right. He was like the Uncle Tom of the Native Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like fucking with the cowboys, but I mean... Yeah, I I don't know. I just I I think like especially in twenty first century in the twenty first century, for me, um, I feel like so much art in this in this century is about mashing a bunch of things that came before you together to make yeah. something new. Mm-hmm. You know, everything under the sun has been done, right? Absolutely. So like, what you need to do is pull from the genre. Like for me personally, is I I love all genres of music, and I know people say that all the time and like they don't really mean it but mm-hmm. like outside of like arena country there's pretty much like I'll, I can find something that I'll, that I'll enjoy in pretty much any genre and I like applying that when I'm making my own music and I think that artists should definitely be free to do that but what it sounds like you're saying and I, and I think you know mm-hmm. it, it's probably the right answer about what is appreciation versus appropriation is like you know uh, trying to find people to collaborate with who are actually yeah. part of the cultures that you love and um paying you know tribute to to the artists that that come before you uh i grew up and jimmy page from led zeppelin is um you know he was a a fairly big influence on me i I still like led zeppelin to this day but i Mm -hmm. found out when i was an adult that jimmy page was and he said this in interviews you know well after the fact after they had you know already been famous Mm -hmm. and established but that he freddie king was the biggest influence on him and freddie Mm -hmm. king was a, a blues musician who started in the 50s he actually had a career of 20 years into the 70s yeah but and then I started listening to Freddie King and now like 
Um, I, when I think about like who actually influenced my guitar style, I think more about Freddie King than I did about Jimmy Page because I actually mm. found my way to like who was actually originating that. Yeah, song, yeah. You know? And like doing that work to sort of find like the origins of the things that you love that you find influential. Right. You know, I think that's important too. So like not be lazy and just accept it for face value, but dig right. deeper and really figure out what it's all about. Yeah, and if you're going to be a good artist, you need to do that anyway. You need to do yeah. that work to, to understand the basis of what it is you're doing. You know, all every form of art has been done before, mm-hmm. and that means that you're always going to be standing on the shoulders of giants, right? You're Absolutely. always with the no people doubt. who came before you, so go learn about them. Yeah. And learn about them, you know, step outside of the, the circles that you're usually in and try and learn about people who maybe you wouldn't have heard about it before. It literally yeah. took... Me asking someone, I had always heard Led Zeppelin, you know, was stealing from black artists and mm-hmm. stuff. And that was like a well-known fact. And finally, one day in my early 20s, I thought I should ask someone who those artists were. And mm-hmm. someone mentioned Freddie King to me. And that's how I found out. Like, yeah. it was this active process of trying to find, you know, who it was who had influenced these guys who I idolized yeah. growing up. And, you know, I think that's what it's about. Like, you got to dig in on the Expand, art and, and ask questions. Yeah. Because people, you know, have been there. They've They've been doing this a long time, so yeah. someone's going to be able to tell you about something that you don't know about. I mean, if we're going to talk about that, are we going to add Post Malone? Because I know people find him problematic. <laughs> well, he's, he's doing the opposite, right? We, uh, uh, he's doing the opposite because he's, um, he's not outwardly speak Like, he doesn't dive into, like, social issues mm-hmm. uh, with... You know, uh, relating to people of color today. Yeah. Right. He very much stays out of that fray, even though he's very clearly using hip hop mm-hmm. to build a platform for himself. And that's kind of like the problem, right? You know, hip hop. That is, speaks directly to what you're saying. Like, right. if you want to do it, then. Yeah. Post Malone, yeah. man, I mean, I think we could do an entire episode <laughs> yelling about him or maybe just a WTF. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I feel this way that, um, because we talked a lot about artistry and music, um, because usually influences do come in in those mediums, you know, music and film and television. So um, I think as long as there's some sort of ode and homage paid, there is, it's okay. I mean, I had an Asian inspired like outfit and I was like I felt really weird about it like am I gonna am I going too far um but I think um Chinese and Japanese um culture and particularly their fashion is beautiful so it wasn't for me like I was trying to like do anything that would be appropriate you know appropriate it yeah. but I'm still like oh am I am I am I doing too much is yeah. the bun too high should I do the sticks do I, do I go all out or, you know? Um, so even I've struggled with where the line is. So I don't know. My white brothers and sisters got to get it together, though. Oh, as long sure. as I have to think about wearing braids to work. Yeah. Think about it. You know, but if it's on the runway, it's it's fashion. So as long as I have to get, have to think about wearing braids to work, or for that matter, my natural hair, we got, we got a lot to talk about. That's a wrap for today's episode. Before we bid you adieu, here's another friendly reminder that we're doing a mailbag segment. Any question you may have on any topic, send it our way and we'll discuss it. You can send your questions to Shakisha and the white boy at gmail.com. That is all one word. And for those of you who don't know, Shakisha is spelled S-H-A-K-E-S-H-A. 
Our intro music was written and produced by Berberock. You can find more of his music by visiting berberock.com or on your preferred streaming service. That is berberock, B-R-B-R-C-K.com. And please, if you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at S-A-T-W-B, the number one. Ryan, anything you'd like to add? That's all I got. Another episode in the can. That's what's Follow up. us on social media. You better. 